I got to tell you, when I was first uh, um, started in ministry, I I made the mistake one day, one Sunday morning of getting up when the Packers and the Vikings were playing. Well, actually, right at the end of the service, right before I left, I just said, well, I'm going to go home and watch the Vikings beat the Packers. Well, they didn't do so well. And I got a call by a 96-year-old lady about halfway through the game, and she said, Paul? Are you watching the game? <laughs> yep, I'm watching the game. Did you see the score? <laughs> Mabel. Mabel Klesmeyer. And, uh, yeah. 96 years old when she, yep, she had to call me and remind me that, uh, of, rub it in. It was really good. She was a pretty competitive lady. I want to invite you to look at uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. We'll be looking at that. Just a real simple verse this morning. And uh, just Luke chapter 12, we'll look at this. And if we just look at that passage there, and I'll give you a little bit of time to, to look that up if, if you would. Or you can read it on the screen there. Luke chapter 12. Verse 32 it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'd like to begin this morning just with a question. And it's, this, it's the same, this question is really even, it's the title of my sermon. The question is this, what do you treasure? But before you answer that, the word treasure, I think it has the power to conjure up all kinds of fantastic images in our mind. Treasure. We see treasure chests filled with gold. We see pirate ships. We see diamonds. We see rubies. We, you know, the mere mention of the word treasure, I think it takes, well, it takes me back to my childhood. And, and uh, one of the first movies I ever remember seeing uh, was the movie Treasure Island with one-legged one Long John Silver and pirates battling for buried treasure. And, and, and you, know, you think about that, there's really something that's romantic, there's something that's mythic, almost, almost intoxicating when we think about treasure. And, and most of us, I think we dream, at, at least occasionally, of acquiring some of that treasure for ourselves, be it through the publisher's clearinghouse, through the sweepstakes, through the lottery, or, or inheritance maybe from a long-lost relative. But the idea of this sudden, un, you know, uh, unimaginable riches is, is a dream or perhaps a temptation that most of us find difficult to avoid. And if we haven't longed to be incredibly rich, we've probably wondered at least what that would be like. And most of us would probably be willing to try it out for a day or two sometime, right? <laughs> if someone offered us that choice. But the truth is that, that that kind of treasure probably won't come to most of us. And I think most of us probably know that. Our, our treasures are less gaudy. They're smaller. 
But then a chest of, of gold coins or $20 million is not the only kind of treasure there is. As, in fact, the treasures, comes in all, co treasures come in all shapes and sizes, and some of them are tangible, and some of them are not tangible. Uh, some have intrinsic value. Some have only sentimental value. The old saying that one, uh, one person's junk is another man's treasure is surprisingly true. And while it may be difficult for us to figure out what someone else might treasure or why they treasure it, we know that most of us cherish something. Treasure is, is not determined by dollar value. Would you agree with that? In fact, a treasure can, almost, can be almost anything that we value enough in order, that, that, that we, would, uh, we would be willing to fight in order to protect it or, or to possess it. it. A treasure is something that takes effort. It takes money. It takes all of these things to, to get and, 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 and then to hang on to it. And, and the harder we're willing to fight for something and the tighter that we clutch to it, the more we treasure it. If you always park your car in the far corner of the parking lot so that no one can park next to you and, and maybe ding your car when they open their door, you know, you're over in the Walmart parking lot. And, or if you walk around your car every time that you get home and looking for dents or chips or cracks or specks of dust, then your car is possibly your treasure. On the other hand, if you leave your keys in the car and, and tell your friends that you know, they're free to drive it whenever they want to, um, then you probably don't treasure your car very much, or at least, you don't, at least you value your friends more, right? If you write your snow, yourself a note to be mad at someone tomorrow, then you treasure anger and you treasure bitterness. If, if you don't have, have to, like to have company visit because they might track up your house, or maybe uh, they make smudges on your furniture or leave things out of order, then you maybe treasure your house, or maybe you treasure having things neat and tidy and, and clean. And If you're unwilling to give money away, even to a good cost, then, then perhaps you treasure money. The harder that you're willing to fight for something and the, and the tighter that you grasp onto it, the more you treasure it. That makes tra treasure rather dangerous things. Because sometimes when we grasp something, so, grasp something so tightly, it begins to possess us rather than the other way around. What, what, we're, un what we're unable to let go of or what we're unable to give away owns us then as much as we own it. Now, I've heard this to be true. I haven't seen it personally. Maybe you've heard this before. I've heard that a simple, uh, a simple trap can be constructed, constructed in order to capture some, some, variety, some varieties of monkeys. And, and basically what they do is they take a container and they put an item in there that the monkey wants. And the monkey will, of course, the container has just a small enough hole that he can get his hand in there. And, and, but then when he gets his hand in there, then he clutches the item that he wants, uh, some kind of an object. And... Um, the, the, the thing is, is that when the monkey goes to pull his hand out, he won't let go of that and, and he can't get his hand out of the jar or the container or whatever it is because he's, he, he will not let go of that item. 
course, the simple solution for him to get his hand out of there, right? Let go. They're not smart, though. Monkeys are not smart. They won't do that. They prize the thing that's in the container too much to let go of them. And so he's trapped by what he grasps in his hand. Now, you'd think that we'd be smarter than monkeys, right? No. Um, but sometimes we get trapped that way too, I think. We grip things so tightly that we're possibly even willing to, 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 to sacrifice our freedom, to sacrifice our families, to re- sacrifice our reputations, and sometimes even our relationship with God in order to hang on to those things. And we end up being possessed by, by greed and by lust or by power or by hatred or by fame or, or just things, whatever it is that we treasure, and we discover the, that those earthly treasures seldom will ever bring us joy that we thought that they would. We start out enjoying them, but they end up owning us. And we spend all of our time defending and protecting and and polishing and caring for and obeying and pursuing and even serving the things that were made for us. And we become servants to things rather than the other way around. And we're enslaved to what we thought we owned. We, we worry that we might not have enough treasure or that somebody might steal it or that it might, uh, somebody might spoil it uh, or that it might spoil. I, I think that the freest person in the world is the one that can use the things, just use things that they, that they own or have or possess without being owned by them. He's the one he, who can enjoy God's creation without wanting to possess all of it for himself. The, the, the freest person is the one who has no earthly treasures. I mean, no wonder Jesus said in this, in this little verse that, that we shared here, uh, in these three, three short verses, no wonder he said, sell your possessions. Sell them quickly before they possess you and then give those possessions to the poor. See, Jesus didn't say that because he wanted us to be impoverished. We can agree with that, right? Rather, he said that because he longs, he longs to give us unimaginable riches. And when our hands are too full of trinkets, we can't take what he has to offer. But this is not an easy command, I don't think. And we've read that time and time and time again. It's not an easy command. We, we swallow a little hard over the first part of that, campa- that, that command. You know, sell your possessions, sell your treasures. That's not easy, although in the right situation we might find the courage to do that. Uh, a pearl merchant once found a perfect pool, pearl, and, and, and he went and he sold everything that he had in order that he might possess it. Another man found a buried treasure in the field, and he, and he went out and he sold all that he had so that he could buy the field. We understand that. We'd be willing to sell something that, that we hold dear in order to gain what's even more precious. I had a professor in college who treasured books. You had him too, John Kuchiris. Um, John he would always say, sell your bed and buy a book. To him, that seemed like a really good trade. And, uh, but as much as I like books, I, I really wasn't convinced because I, I love to sleep, too. And besides, some of the best reading that I do is done in bed. So 
that kind of thing. So, so if I sold my bed and bought a book, I wouldn't have any place to read it, right? I, I never, well, I, I like books, but you got the point. We understand what he meant. We would sell our small treasures for the larger ones. We'd cash in an, an insurance policy for a down payment on a house. We, we'd dip into our savings in order to send a, send a, a, a son or a daughter or a grandson or a, a granddaughter to college. We, we'd sell things that we treasure in order to possess things that we valued more, although even then we might experience a certain amount of pain, a little bit of suffering at letting something go that is dear to us. And so although we stumble a little bit over the first part of that command, you know, sell your possessions, we kind of regain our balance only to have Jesus say this, and give it to the poor. Sell your possessions and then give it to the poor. and Not sell your possessions and then buy a bigger house. See? He didn't say sell your possessions and then you can help your family more. He didn't say sell your possessions in order to give your best friend or someone that give it to your best friend or someone that you love. But he said, sell your possessions and then give it to the poor. Now, we don't like that very much, right? We don't like that. Giving away our treasures is kind of like giving away our hearts. Our heart, right? The center of our being is always where things are that we treasure more. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To, to give away our treasure is to also give away our heart. It really is. Give to the poor. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Give them your heart. That's really what it amounts to. We're not all happy to hear that. The poor make us uncomfortable. They remind us of how much we have. They remind us of how much we waste and how much we want to keep what we have See, trusting God enough to live as He commands, I think is demanding. And it's even a little bit frightening. I mean, no wonder Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock. He was asking us to do a fearful thing. It, you know, we, we understand that the rich farmer who Jesus talked about just a little bit earlier uh, before this passage, who Jesus talked about and he, who, who tore down his barns and built bigger, bigger and, and, and planned to live off the wealth, we understand him. I mean, but, but who can understand someone who would sell what he had in order to give it to the poor? Jesus, I mean, what do you mean, don't be afraid? I mean, those scare, I, I think those words scare us right down to the soles of our feet. How can we help but be afraid? It, it's really, this is a risk-filled command. We love our treasures. They, they have a deep hold on us. Give them to the poor. That, mean, that means abandoning the things that we hold most dear. How could those commands help but being frightening to us? It, it, it just seems like the only way that we would be willing to do that is if, if we found something that we treasured even more. And maybe that's why Jesus said, Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Understand that there are riches that are, that, 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 are, that are more value, even more than all the gold in Fort Knox. I don't think they have any gold there anymore, but even more, more valuable than, all, than your most prizely, prized earthly possession. But for God to give you His kingdom as a free gift, you have to decide what you treasure more. 
this, the things of this earth, or the kingdom of God? See, if we love the world and its treasures, we'll always see giving to the poor as something that's difficult and something that we just have to do out of duty. But if we love God and we long to have, to have His kingdom rule in our lives, and then, then we will be willing and, and joyous to abandon our earthly treasures that keep us from His kingdom. The tighter that we hang on to God, the more loosely we will grasp onto the things of this earth. Do you agree with that? Do we agree with that? And if heaven possesses us, we will not love our earthly treasures over much. God asks us to give the poor, not only because they need our gifts, although they do, and sometimes I think they need it desperately, but, I, but I, I don't think that the primary reason that God asks us to give to the poor is for their benefit. I think that it's for our benefit, for when we are freed from the things of this world, we can then, when we can give them away, when, when they don't own us, then God can. And each treasure we abandon in this world makes us freer to pursue God and to pursue His kingdom. The, the, the challenge of God is to get rid of everything that weighs us down. And so cast aside your riches and strip off your pride and abandon your dreams of success and honor, uh, abandon your, uh, your, your uh, dreams of honor and power. Give up everything in order to pursue God, even if it means selling what you have and giving it away. Because if you can give it away, it cannot own you. Be freed from grasping for the much and for the many. And you'll find that you have treasure in heaven. And you'll find that you have treasure in heaven. Greater and more valuable than anything that that you could ever hope for or imagine on this earth. Two travelers met while they were walking along the way. One was burdened down under the weight of a great backpack and the other had not so much as a, a bag in his hands. He slowed his pace so that he could walk side by, by side with the man that was carrying the heavy load and, and they, they, they asked the usual questions, you know, where are you from, what, what, you know, where are you going, what do you think of the, the weather, and they just kind of had this kind of casual conversation, and soon they discovered that they were both heading the same direction. They were journeying, journeying toward the city of the great king. Both fellow travelers had a common goal, but that was about all they shared in common. One man whistled as he walked, and the other groaned under the weight of his heavy pack. The whistler said, if you'd lay down your pack, you'd find that the journey would be much quicker and much more enjoyable. And the man with the burden said, oh, I could never do that. It has my food. It has my extra clothes. It has my bedroll. It has my tent. And he started to say money, but then he caught himself thinking, you know, I can't tell him that. He might be a thief. So that night they camped out together. One man spent an hour setting up his tent and unrolling his bedroll and cooking his supper, and the other guy reached into his pocket and he pulled out a crust of bread, which he shared with a few sparrows and a squirrel, picked a few berries, got a drink from the nearby stream, curled up under his cloak, and went to sleep. The man in the tent didn't sleep very well or very long. He was concerned about his possessions, that that man might be a thief. And so he slept lightly and he woke often. 
The next day they set off again, and one man whistling, well refreshed from a night's sleep, the other more tired than he had been the day before, and still burdened by his heavy pack. After an hour's journey, he had to rest again, so they stopped. One was sweating and panting, and the other was smiling and laughing, and picking berries and chasing squirrels and enjoying the beauty of the king's realm. He said, if you'd left your pack, you'd enjoy the, the journey more. Why don't you abandon your burden? No one needs to be burdened on the way to the king's city. The king will make sure that all travelers will be cared for. But of course, the man with the pack refused. It's not a burden, he said, or he thought to himself. It's my treasure. It's all that I've worked to possess. I Abandon it? Never. The next morning, he was so stiff that he could barely get, a, uh, get to his feet. And the pack felt even heavier than the day he left. And he was even more sure that his fellow uh, traveler must, have, must want to steal his treasure, especially when the whistler said again, why don't you just leave that burden behind? Each day that conversation reoccurred, and each day the man hung, up, hung on to his pack. And finally one day they reached the Great Divide, high at the top of the mountain where it was windy and cold. They could see on the other side of the divide the beautiful city of the king down in the valley. The man with the great pack was exhausted. He could barely go another step. The other was as fresh as the day that they met. Now, crossing the divide was a very narrow and, 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 and fragile-looking bridge. It was the only way to the city of the king. And at the mouth of the bridge stood a man, and he said, To cross the bridge, you'll, ha you'll have to go one at a time. The bridge won't carry both of you. Oh, and you with the pack, you'll have to leave it behind. The bridge won't support you and the pack. But the man said, I will not cross the bridge without my pack. It has all my treasures. The, the bridge keeper just kind of shrugged and crossed his arms and said, well then, you won't cross. And so the whistler went, across, went alone, skipping, empty-handed, and filled with joy to be hurried. Uh, filled with joy, he hurried to meet the king and the king welcomed him home, and he showered him with riches greater than anything that he could ever imagine. And the whistler spent his days smiling and laughing, and he was most often seen walking side by side with the king's own son, the man with the pack. Well, the man with the pack. He camped by the bridge in the wind and in the cold, and he clung to his treasures. You know, we won't take one thing that we prized into the city of the king. Not one single treasure. In fact, more times than not, they just burden us down. And we would be better to sell them and to give them to the poor and to trust in the bounty of the king. Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock. Don't, don't you know that your father is pleased to give you the kingdom? So the question becomes, what do you treasure more? The things of this earth or the kingdom of God? And that's a decision for all of us to make. Only we can decide that. So we're going to sing a song here as we close here today, a hymn. Um, what we're going to sing, uh, and then well, let's, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll, um, then we'll sing our, our closing song. But let's, let's pray together first, and let's do that. Father, I know that sometimes it's so hard for us to um, to 
to give up the things or even to, to think about giving up the things that we treasure the most. And I guess my simple prayer would be this, God, that you would help us to treasure you more than anything that we have or possess. That you would become our focus. God, that you would be our center. Remind us of really what's important. In Jesus' name, amen.